Thank you very much, you guys. That was great. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all. Isn't it wonderful to be together in one service? Yeah, I think so, too. I know uh, when Serena sent me the music that she was going to use in the service this morning, um, and she told me that, that she had picked this song to come right before the sermon, I said to her, well, that says it all. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> Maybe I should just sit down. <laughs> but no, God has some additional word for me. Um, when I, I picked the, uh, the title to this sermon is The God We Know. And uh, I thought to myself when I, when I looked at that title, I thought, gee, you know, maybe that's a little bit presumptuous of us to think that we know God. Because after all, God is God. He is great. And we, um, how can we as human beings ever hope to understand God or know him? And the truth is, we can't know him fully or understand him fully because we are human beings. But it is possible to know God in the best way that to the best of our capabilities, it's possible for us to know God. And... Um, even with our limited capabilities, it's possible. And that's because God wants to be known by us. And he has made every possible means that we can know him. And it's up to us to take advantage of that. And so it absolutely blows my mind, though, that the creator of the universe wants to be known by me. I mean, an insignificant human being like me. We are so insignificant compared to him. But he doesn't think we are. In his mind, we are all significant. We matter to God. It's just incredible that we matter to God. And he wants to be a part of our lives. So he reveals himself to us in many ways. One of the ways is through the Bible. The words that he says, the actions that are recorded here, are all God revealing to us who he is. And so the miracles that are, are talked about, the actions that God does, the way he treats people, what he does for us, all of that is him revealing himself to us. It's just amazing to me. But if you think about it, isn't that the way that we get to know people ourselves? Don't we talk together? Don't we watch people's actions in certain circumstances? Don't we notice when, um, when one of our friends is uh, driving in the car and approaching a yellow light? Do they step on the gas or do they step on the brake? Okay? I mean, yes, it's definitely we notice people and, and how they act reveal themselves to us. So I also think that sometimes God reveals himself to us even more during times of trouble. And I think sometimes it's because we listen to him more when we're in times of trouble. And so um, Asaph, one of the uh, songwriters in ancient Israel, 
wrote this Psalm 77 when he was going through a deep time of trouble. So let's read it together. You want to switch to the next slide, you guys? Thank you. Um, let's read it together. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to the God who hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? See, in anger withheld his compassion. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and mediate on all your days. In your, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, I know that was long, and I'm not going to go over the entire psalm, but I wanted to, you to see the breadth of that. So let's take a minute and, and look at... Um, the first part of this psalm, verses 1 through 4, because Asaph is in deep distress in verses 1 through 4. And um, he, he cries out to God, and, but there was nothing back from God. He's pouring out his soul to God, and yet God doesn't seem like he's even there. And I'm sure that I mean, all of you, if you haven't yet, will experience sometime in your life this feeling that the prayers never get, get out of yourself to God. And that's how he felt. He said, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. Yet you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. This man is in, in deep sorrow and deep trouble. Now, he never tells us what the problem is. But whatever it is, he, it is troubling him greatly. And I get the feeling that this is not just one night, that he goes through days like this, and he's just totally 
praying out, crying out to God for an answer, for him to speak. And then, as most of us do, we get tired of, of being in the deeps of distress for a while, and we think back to times when times were good. And that's what he did. He thinks about the times this was a leader of the congregation in music. Often, he was the one who led the procession up to the temple, singing and praising God, and he remembers that, and he thinks, oh, times were good then, Lord. And then he says, what happened? You know, what happened? Why isn't it like that now? And he thinks, has the Lord turned his back on me? I mean, we have a tendency to think that too. And that's certainly what Asaph thought. And so, I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but I certainly have. And I just have gone through times when it was really tough. And when I didn't feel like I was hearing from God at all. And sometimes when I needed an answer. And it just wasn't coming. And I thought, what have I done, God? So I prayed for forgiveness for everything I could possibly think of. And everything that God brought to mind that was weighing on me. I asked forgiveness for that. So I know he cleansed me of those things. And I still couldn't hear from God. And it just seemed like it lasted forever. I'm sure it was shorter than I remember. But nevertheless, it was a terrible, terrible time. And so he's going through that. But then a thought comes to him. Don't you just love it when a thought, God puts a thought into your head that was never there in the first place and you probably wouldn't thought of? And so that's what happened to him. He says, to this I will appeal. I'll appeal to the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. Now the right hand was always the hand of friendship. The best, most trusted person stood on the right hand of the king. Always. And so he's thinking about times when God... Um, stretch out his right hand. So, God then starts to bring to mind things and miracles that God has done. Now, not that remembering specifically what God has done is so important, but it reveals who God is how he cares for his people in times of trouble. Now, he is, he's remembering the time when God brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And we all know that that was a tremendous time of lots of miracles. Tremendous, amazing things happened all the time. And it just seemed like, wow, this is God. And it was so important that the whole area, not only Egypt, but all of the land of Canaan where the Israelites eventually settled, all of the land of the Arabs to the east, all of the land of re the rest of Africa, all around Egypt, had all heard about the mighty deeds of God. And so it was a huge thing that God did, and so he's remembering that. This is, this is, is amazing to him that God did all of these miraculous things. So we might want to say to ourselves, well, why did God, why does God do miracles? 
And um, we could take Jesus feeding the 5,000, for example. He had 5,000 people out of five loaves and two fish. And to me, that's pretty amazing. And so he, but why did he do that? Well, in Jesus' case, he was demonstrating that he was God. But the, the Bible doesn't say this, but don't you also think that he had compassion on those 5,000 people who had been there basically for a good part of the day with Jesus, listening to him, and that they hadn't had anything to eat. So I think that in addition to the mighty miracle that he was doing to show them that he was God and that the words that he said needed to be listened to because he was God, but he also was compassionate. He loved these people. He not only thought about their eternal life, but he also thought about meeting their needs in the moment, okay? Well, don't you think he feels the same way about us? He cares about our eternal, but he also is here to meet the needs of us right now. And so, yes, we have to look at each miracle that we see and we have to think, okay, why did God do that? What is he trying to tell us? Not only that he was God. And I mean, you know, Jesus did lots and lots of miracles. Sometimes he was trying to wake up the religious establishment and show them what was important. Not, what, not following the rules and not creating new rules as they were doing. But trying to, to see that God is a God of love. And that the rules were not created to keep people in line. They were created to help people and help them live the best life that they could possibly live. And so all of you children and teenagers, just remember that your parents create rules, not because they don't love you, but because they do love you and they want to help you lead the best life that you can. So even when it's tough, you remember that. <laughs> okay, so, um, so in, in verses uh, about 11 through, uh, well, 11 and 12, consider the deeds of God. Not only the miracles that are in the Bible, but the ones that God does for you every day. I mean, I, I constantly am amazed at the number of things, the number of prayers, the number of ways that God intercedes in my life every single day. And I am so grateful for that. Some of the things, I have no idea why he did that. I still don't have any idea why he did that. And sometimes it's years later and I still don't understand it. But nevertheless, like the song sung, and um, like Serena had said, we trust God because we know him. We know what his history is. And so, we look at not only the things God does for us, but why he does them. Because he loves us and he wants us the best for us. So if we look at verses 13 through 15, and the, particularly verse 15, God is not only holy, and I wanted to talk about this just for a minute because 
This is one of the best things I like about God, is that he is holy. And you know what that means to me? It means that I can trust his motives. That whenever something bad happens to me, I know that God loves me. And I know he wants the best for me. And I know that whatever this is, God is working out his plan. Okay? So motives to me are so important. I don't know about you, but I listen to politicians. And I say to myself, I wonder why he's saying that, because he certainly doesn't vote like that, you know? And so I have a great distrust simply because I don't know what their motives are. And so, but I don't have that distrust with God because I know what his motives are. They are pure and they mean for me the best thing. So, and obviously God is great. I almost can hardly say the word obviously in connection to God is great because his greatness surpasses so far everything that I can even understand. So he performs miracles, he displays his power amongst the people. But in verse 15, his mighty arm redeemed his people. And he's thinking particularly about the descendants of Jacob and Joseph, who were the ones who were the children who were caught in Egypt. So he's thinking about that. In the next three verses, 16 through 18, he says, the water saw you, God. And he's talking about nature. And he's talking about the way that the, that the things that he made in this world respond to him and do his will. And he made us, too. And he wants us to respond and do his will as well. And so he's, so many characteristics of God are revealed um, in, in nature. In, I don't know about you, but I love to take walks. I love to just observe God and, and what he made, it's just so beautiful. At times, I have to admit, I do not like heat and humidity. <laughs> but I know he made it for a reason. So I put up with it, and I still get out there. But truly, when you think about the way the seasons work, when you think about that everything he says, that he provides food for all of nature, He provides rain for all of nature. And so, you know, when I see that, and I see that mighty work of creation, I think, thank you, God, for the things you provided for me, for clothing, for shelter, for food, even the basic things. All of those things are important. So then, in um, in verse 19 and 20, he talks about leadership. And he talks about Um, how he leads us. And he says that in verse 19, and I love this, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. I mean, I don't know, but I've never seen any literal footprints of God. The disciples certainly did. But I've seen plenty of ways that God has led. I've seen his footprints, even though I didn't see actual footprints. And I'm sure that many of you have too. And 
it says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And I love that too, because Moses and Aaron were the leaders of those children of Israel. Although I don't think either one of them really wanted to be leaders, but they certainly were people God chose because he had specific characteristics picked out that he wanted. Well, you guys, whatever and in whatever direction God is leading you, it is because he's got specific things that he, that role is needed and those specific things, you meet those characteristics. And not everybody can. So he's got something specific planned. He's got certainly some place that he wants you to go and things that he wants you to do. And we all know that one of the things that he wants us to do is the, that he wants us to tell everyone we know about Jesus. And he wants us to make disciples of everyone that we know. So that is a job that we've all suited for. But each one of us has specific jobs that we're suited for. So I'm not saying to you that the tough times are easy because they are not. The tough times are hard. And um, each of us has gone through a time, like Asaph is, de is describing here. But if you haven't been through a time like that, then don't worry, you will. <laughs> I hate to say that, that's not good news, but you will. Because it's just a part, I think, of the way that God grows us. And so in this, in the midst of all of the trouble that we've got, we have God. And this is the God that we have. He's not a stranger. He has been known to us since he created us in the beginning. And he wanted to be known by us, even as he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he wants to be known by us now. So he reveals himself to us, not only in scripture, but also in the ways that he deals with us every day. And we see him as a provider, a sustainer comforter in times of sorrow, strengthener when we just feel like we can't go on another step, corrector of our many faults, and I'm talking about that personally, savior of each one of us, whether we acknowledge him of that or not. He died for everybody. And he is our Lord and our sovereign and our God. And yes, just as Asaph did, we all have trouble remembering who God is at any given time. And so if you can't remember on your, on your own, then I would suggest getting together with a friend and say, saying to them, help me remember who God is. And uh, I heard um, uh, in the car, I usually have the, the radio station turned to a Christian radio station. And I heard Chuck Swindoll say this the other day and I thought it was so good. He was talking about Elijah and the time right after he had defeated all the prophets of Baal. And he was running from Jezebel, who was the queen of Israel at the time. And he just, uh, Elijah, after that tremendous triumph, he just took off in, into the desert because he was so afraid that Jezebel was going to kill him. Well, 
the mighty work that God did on the top of Mount Carmel there. And then Elijah forgets all about it and he takes off. And um, so Chuck Swindoll said, if he had taken his good friend Elisha with him, God could, uh, that Elisha could have helped him remember who God was. And yes, our friends can help us do that. Remember who God is. So when we're in the times of deep distress and suffering and we cannot see God or hear him, then bring to mind who God is in your own life, the things that he has done. Let us receive the benediction. God, we know that we know you. We know we can trust you. We know that you love us more than anybody else could possibly love us. We know that you want the best thing for us, Lord. And you want the best thing for everyone in the whole world. Father, we pray that we may remember, Lord, that who you are in the midst of all of our lives, in the midst of the good times and in the midst of the bad. Lord, we know that we can trust that you're always there. And we thank you and we give you praise, God, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.